You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good, every, good evening, guys and gals. Um, we're going to get to your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. Um, obviously, you know, uh, we'll, we'll open up a rookie minicamp tomorrow. We have some questions that we're going to get to. Uh, as far as the schedule, there's still two draft classes we haven't gotten to yet with the Tennessee Titans and obviously the Denver Broncos. Me and Pete will hit on that tonight. We're going to be able to get a bunch of these listener questions. Some of these... Uh, a couple of these episodes ran a couple long, and it just you know ran a little long. So you know, and they're always yelling at me to keep it at 30 minutes. It's hard enough to keep it at 45, guys. And uh, so the last couple ones you've gotten an hour. Uh, some business. Uh, congratulations, Sheldrick Redwine, Drew Forbes, Donnie Lewis is signed on the dotted line. Uh, now it's official. Pay, getting paid. The money's in the you know money in the bank, all that good stuff. Congratulations to those guys. Uh, you know, obviously as they embark here on uh, you know their career in the NFL with the Cleveland Browns. We have drafted rookie jersey numbers as we head into the activities this weekend. Greedy Williams will be rocking number 26, formerly the the solid digits of our boy Derek Kindred. Always a lockdown Browns favorite. Uh, Sione Taki Taki, number 44. If there's there's only, for, in my opinion, there's only one allowable 40s number for a linebacker. 44 is it. Sheldick Redwine's going to wear 33. He's going to double up with gains, I guess, in that respect. Um, uh, Mac Wilson, 51, Austin Seibert, jersey number two. You might want to choose a different single digit. Make sure that Zane Gonzalez is out of that one. Uh, Drew Forbes, listed on the roster as a tackle, number 79. Donnie Lewis, number 37. Uh, you stick around, kid, and everything works out for you. We'll get you a better jersey number. Uh, Pete, so it, it's nice, though, going into this, though, that, that three out of the guys are already, you know, pens to paper. That, that You know, just less to deal with, but it shouldn't. Obviously, it's so much of an easier process nowadays than it used to be. Yeah, I mean, I, it seems to be an early trend here that uh, a bunch of guys are signing. I think the Vikings basically signed almost their entire class. Uh, the uh, Whoever took uh, – the Packers took Darnell Savage. He's already inked. They're all getting done really, really fast, uh, which is fine. I mean, it, it made no sense not to. Uh, so it's good from that standpoint. Um, I hope – all their numbers are placeholders because all their numbers suck. Um, and maybe <laughs> if they make the team over over guys who are like, you know, have better numbers, they'll take them. Like 26 on, on Patrick Peterson, that's got to be temporary. That's awful. Patrick Peterson? When do we get him? Uh, uh, Greedy Williams. They've got. He's got to do better than that. That's awful. Uh, you know, uh, red wine with, what, 22 right now? No, f- no, 33. 33. That is that is a tailback number if there ever was one. It's not a defensive back number. And I'm not a I'm not a fan of 44 either. That's a to me that's a fullback number. Um Yes, so, but Pete, but back in the day when you played both ways, usually your middle linebacker and your fullback were the same dude. So 44 true. makes I mean, sense. Yeah, but even if I look back, I, I still think of it as Syracuse, but that's that's fine. Um 79 makes me sad. <laughs> Just <laughs> Just a sad, dopey number. So I'm hoping that gets a little bit better. They're, they're just—I mean, I'm hoping they're all placeholders. The only one I doubt is a Cybert. Um, I expect he's going to be two. Which yeah, is- well, I mean, but you're a kicker. You don't go in there and <laughs> no, no, no. You had the opportunity, bro. You chose two. That's it. It's over. I'm not printing up yeah, another jersey. I'm hoping. I'm hoping that's in honor of all the two-point conversions they're going to try to convert this year. So, but yeah, I mean, it—it's nice. Look, it is nice to start progressing here. You—you you know, you got—you got them all drafted. You're getting some of these guys signed. We got the mini camp coming up. Like stuff's happening, and that's that's fun. Yeah. So obviously, we'll get to that. Obviously, there's some questions related to mini camp and all that. 
But uh, look, uh, obviously, we'll get to the Tennessee Titans draft here to open it up. And uh, obviously, the home opener, the season opener, Tennessee Titans come to town. Uh, overall, selection number 19. Um, Pete, we kind of figured this, and, you know, look, and everybody, oh, well, what if he got to 49? He's not going to get to 49. And then the more and more you get into it, he's not going to get out of round one. So the Titans' first-round pick at 19 overall, who could turn out to be a fantastic selection for them, be a dominant player for them for years upon years, he will not be one guy playing week one. Jeffrey Simmons, defensive tackle, Mississippi State. Yeah, I find this pick fascinating because, you know, everything with the Tennessee Titans seems to be... You needed a player here. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, you're one of those teams that's trying to get over that hump and get to the playoffs. And... Use your first-round pick, and you didn't take a guy who can help you get there this year. Um, you know, it's fascinating. Obviously, very talented. You hope everything goes okay with his knee. You hope there's nothing that, you know, takes you back to that video, uh, that, you know, there's nothing that's revisited with this. Uh, I, I, I'm just surprised with the Titans. I thought they would have gone with something uh, more definitively ready to play now. Uh, you know, defensive line made a lot of sense to me. I'm just... I thought they would do something that just helps them out. But if you're looking at this in the future, you know, if you get him back and he's the player he showcased himself to be uh, through college, and you're looking at Jeffrey Simmons and Jarrell Casey, that's a really nice situation to have on the interior. And you know, that's Harry, uh, Harold Landry coming off an edge. Yowch, yeah, I mean, that's a nice just, front. You know, and I think the Tennessee Titans have the most. Uh, may lead the league and oh yeah that guy's pretty good um, type guys in the league um, they, they none of them are like super big names but they've just got a lot of pretty good football players to add up to we'll see um, I'm not you know I, I still maintain the Browns are one to know but that's you know they actually do have to I guess play the game and prove it well, you know look Derek Henry can be a handful Um, and I, I said to people before we hit the record button you know it, like it, it, when I went and looked back, I'm like, all right, the draft was a little better than I thought it was. But the the problem is, is when you're not sure what's going on at quarterback. I mean, oh, well, we, well, we brought in Ryan Tannehill. Okay, so that means if Mariota's not getting it done, you're going to go to Ryan Tannehill. Uh, that's not a win. Uh, I mean, it's like a you know, it's like a step sideways. I you know, so you know, and you know, for me, that's the issue in Tennessee. And and we had mentioned this before. You know, we spent so much talk years ago on Jameis Winston versus Marcus Mariota, and now both these franchises have no idea where they're at with either player, and whether or not they're the long-term answers. Yeah. So, you know, part of this is Marcus Mariota has not been great. He protects the football pretty well, but he hasn't made a ton of plays. The other part is he just gets injured a lot. Yeah. And he's he's missed and a it's lot not of time. it's not even running around, which was part of what made him appealing at Oregon. It's not it, a lot of it is just his body's just not holding up. Right. So you know, I, I think they basically took one pretty average quarterback and gave them a mediocre quarterback in case he goes down. Um, I of the two, you know, I didn't really love Jameis Winston or Marcus Mariota, but of the two, I think Marcus Mariota is more likely to get that fat contract that he has no business getting. Uh, that's my guess on how they, this will ultimately play out, but we'll see. But, yeah, I mean, that's the big thing for them is can Marcus Mariota give you 16 games and can he put together, you know, 16 good games as opposed to, you know, inconsistent stretches, miss a few games with injury, 
you know, he, he's having a similar sort of arc as Jake Locker did. He's obviously better than Locker was. But Locker would basically, like, ramp up to where he got pretty good, then get injured, and then basically start at the bottom of the hill again and, like, work his way up, get a certain way where you're like, man, this could be pretty good, and then injured again. That's been the story of Marcus Marietta. So, yeah, it's it's interesting. Now, is he going to get out of week one? I don't know. They've got an interesting offensive line, although I do find oh, yeah. it interesting that yep. they, they did pass on Jack Conklin's fifth-year option, uh, whether that's because they want to get a deal done faster or they think he's just not that good. Uh, I'm not I, I'm not well-versed enough in the Titans. It's still. I don't think it's because he's not good enough. Uh, I, I don't believe that for a second. Um, you know, maybe it is just because they're trying to go long-term extension. And part of it could be is because if it does not work out with Marcus Mariota, guess what? Guess what? Tennessee's going on the clock for round one next year in the NFL draft, quarterback. So, Cer- certainly an option. Um, that's you know, it make a ton of sense if if they don't. If they don't Find make the playoffs, if they don't make the playoffs, look, you gave Marcus Mariota five years. The coach here's got no relationship with him. Yeah. You're drafting a quarterback. Yeah, I mean that's certainly the most logical approach. It just then comes down to: Are they going to find a or way? You know what it'll be? It'll be similar to Bortles last year in Jacksonville. All right, well here's some money. We're going to keep you around, and let's try this again for one more year. Oh, crap, it's still not working. Yeah, I mean, it, it, a lot of that would probably depend on if they're in position where they feel like they can get another quarterback or if they're basically like, we don't like what's here. We're going to go ahead and stick with this for another year and see if we can, you know, he can pull it off. We can get a, a mid-round guy that might surprise us or, you know, he then comes through. But it's bleak, I would say. All right, so we'll cruise on here through the uh – Obviously, with the Titans draft. Um, round two, Arthur Brown, wide receiver out of Mississippi. Uh, you know, at, of the three, he was he was the dude. Of the three guys out of Mississippi, Arthur Brown was the dude. Ran faster at the combine than most expected. Um, but he is more of these, you know, built better guys. Catch them on the seven, eight-yard patterns. They're able to make a lot more after it. Then, Pete, uh, they went in third round. Nate Davis, guard out of uh, NC Charlotte. Right. I, I think, you know, look, Jeffrey Simmons is the big question mark, but I think after that, they did really well for themselves. Um, yeah, a small class, but a good class. Right. So A.J. Brown is obviously a very talented slot, power slot type guy. They've already got Corey Davis. They've got Adam Humphreys. They've got Taewon Taylor, who needs to be a little bit better than he was last year. They've added a lot of these players that are really interesting um, that could make, you know, may, may not re- be regarded as a star-studded group. Again, Corey Davis is sort of on that, oh, yeah, he's pretty good. Now, he hasn't broken through the way that you'd want him to yet, but I, that some may be blamed on, on the issues at quarterback. But they have a lot of pieces that can produce a, a pretty good, uh, you know, overall receiver product. And... You know, they don't need A.J. Brown to start right away, but certainly I think they'd like him to contribute. And you have a lot of matchup options in terms of getting size on the field. You have options in terms of getting more speed and quickness on the field. Uh, Their tight end position is still interesting, even though Delaney Walker is certainly older. They've got Johnny Smith. They've got a lot of... Well, yeah, but both of those guys are coming back from injuries. Yes. Uh, So that's an interesting piece. Meanwhile... They get uh, Nate Davis from Charlotte, who's a pretty nice player. Um, they've got, I think, a real question mark at right guard, um, and I think they'd really like him to come in there and take that job if he, if there's any hope there. Um, 
right now it's like listed as Kev- Kevin Pamphile, who is you know a, a nice athletic player coming out of Purdue uh, that was in Tampa initially as a, a tackle, um, and it has not worked. I, I don't think they want that to be their starting guard. So getting a guy like Nate Davis, who's a really nice athletic profile um, and, and toolsy guy who could potentially do that could could really help them with their offensive line. They've got solid players everywhere else. Taylor Luan's an asshole, but he's really he's he's pretty good. Um, ben Jones, you know, at center, Roger Saffold at left guard, Conklin already mentioned, and then, you know, that's you know, if they get that fifth guy, they've got a really good unit because they really do want to be that power running team first yep. and set things up off play action. Well, that's what, what you know, that's what worked for them. That's you know that was their December, and was Derrick Henry was. In, I mean, his entire season was December because they just said enough of this freaking nonsense. The one thing we know we can do is we know we can run the ball. So keep feeding this guy, an absolute monster. So you know that's probably what you're going to expect week one. Uh, then we'll go to obviously round four here. Um, you actually, Pete, these actually, you know, one of our guys slips in here, but Amani Hooker out of Iowa. Then you get DeAndre Walker out of Georgia. Then you get David Long, linebacker out of West Virginia. Small class for them, but it's there's names and you know, and, and David Long and maybe even DeAndre Walker where they got him. You got some ball players, right? Um, you know, Amani Hooker was super popular with guys like Jake Burns, uh, PFF, uh, some of those guys. Um, really, really wanted him badly on, uh, you know, yep. that fourth round pick coming into day three. I wasn't as high, but, you know, I understand. Um, he becomes an interesting player, and they've got some really nice safeties there. Um, with Kevin Bayard, who I will raise my hand, I was all in on that dude. Uh, he He's great. They've got Dean Cruikshank. Um, I think he might be a little bit of a, you know, Super Eric Murray type, where he's really, really athletic, and I think it's about finding places from the field. Kenny Vaccaro's fine. Um, I think they'd like Amani Hooker to ultimately take over there if, if that's possible. Uh, but, yeah, the other two guys, obviously injury dudes. Uh, you know, DeAndre Walker gives them an, another off-ball pass rusher, certainly. They've got a lot of interesting guys from that standpoint. Obviously, you mentioned Harold Landry. They got Cameron Wake in there for a year or two. Um, I assume it's going to be just one. So being able to add a guy like DeAndre Walker, you know, you've got to get his injury situation short, uh, sorted out. You've still got uh, Kamala Correa, who they traded for from Baltimore, who, who's got a little juice in him. They've got a, a lot of really uh, talented prospects. Uh, I, I, you know, the big question with DeAndre Walker was, was what is his a- athletic potential? Uh, and we never got really an answer, and there's nope. some people who questioned it. Um, in terms of what they saw on tape. But, you know, if you go back to the SEC championship, he's another guy who beat the hell out of Jonah Williams, even if, you know, he's not super athletic and pretty. Meanwhile, David Long adds to their inside linebacker rotation uh, where they've got guys like Wesley Woodyard and Jayon Brown and Rashawn Evans, who was a first-round pick. Um and and you get a guy David Long whose tape he's he's just fearless, crash aggressive. test dummy. Yeah, he he he's a guy who can make a ton of plays in the backfield. He's he's got to get better in space, but they you know task him with covering a ton of the field in that three three five setup, and he was really good at. It. Unfortunately, again, he suffered. I think it was a high ankle sprain uh, at the Senior Bowl or something along those lines. 
uh, and ultimately never did any testing. Unfortunately, a, a very common thread with this Virginia, West Virginia class. Uh, but if he's right, you know, at the very least, he's going to be a guy who can play on special teams. But he does have some potential to be a pretty good player if the athleticism is is remotely okay, considering how productive he was there. And you get a guy who can blitz. You get a guy who will throw his body anywhere uh, and, and, and just gives them options on that inside. You know, I, I like what they did. And obviously, guys, we've talked about this before. DeAndre Walker in the SEC Championship game is one of the ones, and me and Pete message in a way, uh, are we sure Jonah Williams is his left tackle? Yeah. That's where it started. <laughs> 100% the case of why, why is this guy ranked so high? I keep watching him get his ass kicked. By a 250-pound guy who they're saying is sort of an edge outside linebacker guy. And I remember the day vividly because it was my sister. Uh, we were down there for the SEC. I was at my sister-in-law's for the SEC championship game. And my sister-in-law's an Alabama fan. And I started messaging Pete. I might get in trouble here because I'm rooting for Georgia. This <laughs> may get ugly quickly. and But that was where it started. It was, you know, if you're not handling a guy, you're, you, you're you know, He's got 45, he's, he needs 50 pounds to weigh the same as you. That's where it started to happen there. Um, look, David Long, we, I, um, I'm sorry, yeah, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, but uh, Long, we absolutely loved. Um, so it's a small class for Tennessee, um, but it's not a bad group. But it's, you know, it, as we mentioned with San Francisco, it's, it, it's, it's the term I'm going to use with both these franchises, it's shit or get off the pot. It's ta- now time these quarterbacks got to do it. There's no more excuses. You know, there's enough pieces around. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo's got to stay healthy and play like he did the second half of 2017. Marcus Mariota, we need to see play that we have never seen from him. Consistent, 16 games. And we'll see how it goes because it's a lot. I mean, you've been in this league this long. I mean, you know, you start to question yourself. You start to question your health. You start to question whether or not you are truly that guy. But these guys, it's it's got to happen. And if it's not going to happen now, it's going to be somebody else. So my thing with Tennessee that I want to watch going forward is is are, what are they going to do about this tight end position? Because don't get me wrong, Delaney Walker's been a hell of a football player, but he's coming off a significant injury. Jonah Smith is significant a, injury. A line well, and, and and a tight end in name only. Really, he's a very he's an H back. Yeah, he's more of an H back. So you go from this thing where you had this two tight end set, you know, as, as your base offense. Um, and now you've got like all these receivers. So I will be curious to see if they make any moves to try to get more tight end help, especially looking, in a, especially in a tight end draft. <laughs> yeah, if if they are waiting for sort of um, you know waiver wires and stuff like that, or maybe trading for somebody down the road, or if they're basically just saying, "Look, um, this is what we had. It, it was good. Uh, it was better for us at that point, and now we're sort of moving on to this other thing." You know, and it was weird because you know, I mean, with it, you know, that's the one thing I remember. Why, you know, as the draft was unfolding, was, you know, look, every we said everybody should have been in the tight end market, but Tennessee, when both the guys are coming back, and you know, look, you can't expect them, even if they both, you know, and you get them, and everything's right to start the season. I mean, there's going to be warts, so it's going to be tough. But I mean, you know, look, I mean, maybe you know, more three wide receiver sets, more four wide receiver sets. It's it'll be interesting, but it's going to come down to the quarterback play for Tennessee. Uh, hiring used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process. But today, hiring can be easy, and you only have to go to one place to get it done. ZipRecruiter.com/lockedon. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. 
With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates to so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. So guys, if you need new work, if you need work or if you're looking for a better gig, go ahead use ziprecruiter.com/lockedon. Obviously that would be the promo code, so do it that route. Um, but go ahead use ziprecruiter. Check it out guys uh, and look, uh, if you need more work, I hope you find some. If you're looking for something better, I hope you find it there as well. But thanks for ZipRecruiter for sponsoring Locked On Browns. Pete, that'll take us to the Denver Broncos. Um, and there, it had been a long-running joke that the Denver Broncos were in love with Drew Locke. The Denver Broncos were going to take Drew Locke at 10. They wanted Drew Locke. It went on and on and on and on and on. You made the addition of Joe Flacco. Uh, then draft night, it came to Denver. Really, we consider taking Devin Bush at 10. If this was a masterful play by Denver, which they are not very good at, it worked out well. You got out of 10. You went down to 20. Uh, Pittsburgh jumped up, obviously took Devin Bush put Pittsburgh on the clock, and obviously Noah Fant fell to them. I'm not sure if this was so much where they felt this was a great selection for Joe Flacco, but they did eventually end up with Drew Locke. But Noah Fant, nice athletic guy in the Eric Ebron mold, can block some, not a terrible selection, but, you know, it... it I, don't, I, I like Noah Fant. I, I think the allure of Noah Fant is more than what you're actually getting. I think Noah Fant can be great. Uh, my issue is it, it's like a graveyard of tight ends at that place. Um, and some of these are really unfortunate injuries. Um, you've got... Jake Butt, Je- terrible. Yeah, Jake Butt is the biggest one. You've got Jeff Howerman or Hewerman, however you pronounce it. Troy Fumagalli, you've got Temerick Hemingway, and you've got a dude named Austin Fort. I have no idea who the last one is, um, but it's like a graveyard of these guys where you're like, man, this guy should be pretty good. And, you know, their best guy is now a New England Patriot, so they replaced him with Fant. Um, and, again, I think uh, Fant can be great. I think he's a really nice base player. He's basically a, a receiver, um, a, a yoked-up receiver, a lot along the lines of uh, – the dude, uh, Evan, Evan Ingram. Um, and if you approach it that way, I think you can be fine. If you're insisting he'd be an inline tight end, I think you're going to be disappointed. Um, I, you know, as they get a really good player, I guess my other question with the Broncos is what the hell is the overall plan here? Because <laughs> look at their draft. It's they got some guys, but I don't know what direction this group is going because it's like, it, it, it's like they were, you know, just picking guys. They weren't trying to make these things into a cohesive unit. But I mean, you know, in the end of the, it, when it all comes down to it, 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 did they end up with some good fo- football? I think they did end up with a couple of them. So it'll be interesting to see how this ultimately goes. Yeah, and obviously, you no, know, no. Now round two, obviously, they ended up with two selections. Obviously, with Pittsburgh trading up. Uh, Dalton Reisner out of Kansas State, local boy. You know, that should work out well. Um, you know, in Basically, he grew up in a tiny-ass little town in Colorado. But he, you know, the native son comes home and play for the Denver Broncos. And then they eventually did. And this is good because if you're in love with a player, establish where the value is. So, you know, there was a lot of talk of drafting Drew, Drew Luck at at 10. You ended up getting him at 42. 
And now, in Pete, we always talk about this, you know, excelling with a guy on the rookie contract. But Reisner and Drew Luck obviously making their way to, uh, I want to say mile high, but I know it's not mile high anymore. It'll always be mile high to me. Um, yeah, so, you know, this is one of those things where the Broncos get credit because they got the guy everybody thought they were going to get, and they got him around later, and they added a draft pick to do it. They basically got him for free um, in that sense. But, you know, I still think he's awful, so <laughs> I don't, you know, I give them credit for sort of being able to execute that plan, but I still think he's going to suck, so I don't know where you grade that. Um, well, listen. also, well, let's not even go there, though. Let's also talk about the guy who's evaluating these guys. He doesn't know what he – just because you were a fantastic NFL freaking quarterback doesn't mean you could evaluate the position. Where's Paxton Lynch anyway? Uh, Seattle, I think. Yeah, uh, and he's going to be wearing a baseball hat for the next decade. Yeah, uh, I, I, I just have this image of John Elway waking up, looking at himself in the mirror, and it's going, I'm going to go draft me today. And yeah. he takes these, you know – facsimiles that aren't good uh and and they burned him and 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 it, this won't be as notable because it's not quite as high of a pick but it would represent another swing and a miss if this doesn't work now we'll see um obviously you know you get him in the second round so there's not as much pressure to play him now you have the opportunity to try to develop him behind flacco you shouldn't be terribly worried about you know the idea that you're going to have to come have him come in and play not only is flacco at least a functional starting quarterback, he tends to be a healthy starting quarterback. So that, yep. you know, helps you from that standpoint. Now, ultimately, you know, if Flacco plays the whole year and you're going into next year with maybe Flacco again, or you're saying Drew Locke, um, I, I just, I have significant doubts of how that's going to work. But, uh, you know, if, if maybe this is the time they get lucky with it. And despite all evidence, He's actually good, um, but the the issue with Drew Locke is you you know he if you're looking at his Missouri tape, not only is he inconsistent, he doesn't like pressure, and he he seems to be a bit of a bully. Uh, he beats up on teams that suck and struggles against teams that are good. And I'm sure somebody's going to make uh, note the notable one situation where he beat you know he helped them beat Florida, which is good. Um, certainly, you're hoping that's more of an indi- indication of things to come. But for the most part, I think he was just, you know, not very good uh, when he, you know, when, when you're supposed to sort of shine. Uh, so I have some real questions there. Meanwhile, you know, Dalton Reisner, I really like, uh, I just happen to like him as a center uh, because his athletic traits are not great. And I, and I love what he brings to you um, in terms of the way he carries himself, the way he sort of. Um, motivates his teammates, starts shit with the opponent. Just Yeah, no, I mean, he's got a little filth to his game. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, he just seems like the ultimate guy you want leading your group and making those calls and all that stuff. Um, but And at least for the moment, they've got him listed right guard uh, with Connor McGovern at center. I, I'll be curious to see if that ultimately changes here shortly or if that's you know not really a long-term plan. I think his long-term future is as a center. Um, but... but it's it, you know it may not be any different than than the Browns with taking uh, Drew Forbes, where they're basically saying hopefully he can do this. But if not, we've got a nice fallback option um, that would still definitely help this football team. I think he will be successful. It's just a question of where. Oh yeah, no, I agree. And you know, and you know, you're gonna you know you figured the kid, the hometown kid. But I mean, yeah, interior is where he's gonna play, and he's got that 
feistiness and uh, he'll be the one where, you know, look, people are pushing each other, extending arms after a play, after a tackle. He'll be in on every single one of those, Dalton Reisner. He's a dirty shorts dude. That's the way it works. It, you know, and those are the guys you want on in the interior. That's the way it works. Oh, he's the, he's going to be the guy Broncos fans will love and every yep. other team in the AFC or the AFC West will absolutely hate. Oh, yeah, there's there, yeah, exactly. You know, uh, he's dirty. He's uh, you know, after the whistle, he'll be the guy described as every single one of those. Uh, we close out here and look, as we said, Denver not a ton of selections. Uh, it's actually funny that when we get to the two teams here, these are the teams with the smaller classes. Um, Draymond Jones, round three. Justin Hollins, edge out of Oregon, Pete. And then Juwan Winfrey, wide receiver, Colorado. Yeah, so Draymond Jones, if he's great, I'm going to hear about it. That's fine. Um, there's a bunch of Buckeye honks who didn't take kindly to the fact that I pointed out, rightly, that Draymond Jones was unathletic, small, played the run like shit, and doesn't offer much upside. In his when his resume was supposed to be that he was very athletic. Yes, <laughs> and he was supposed to be, you know, this was supposed to be a first-round guy, you know, people trying to put him at 17 of the Browns, and, and you know, if you, if you listen to Lane Adkins, the Browns were never interested in Draymond Jones, which I take as a Well, no, a because Pete, the Browns sent a lot of people to the Ohio State Pro Day, which isn't very far yeah. away. Yes. Which isn't very far away, so you might as well go. It's catered. It's a lot of nice shit there. I'm sure the food was good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if he's great, um, you know, bring it. Buckeye honks can tell me all day, and, and rightly so, that I was wrong. Um, but I, I think he's a rotational guy. I don't think he's a starter. I think the Broncos would certainly like to get more out of him than that. Um, he does fit into their, you know, that. That three, that odd front situation where he can come in as a fourth defensive lineman and be a pass rusher, that's interesting. I, I actually do like Justin Hollins out of Oregon. I think that could be an interesting pick. Um, if you get into situations where you want to put Vaughn Miller and uh, on the field with Bradley Chubb on the interior and you can bring in a guy like Justin Hollins to play on the other edge, you know, basically – what I think will happen with the Browns with Gennard Avery uh, and Miles Garrett. If you can do that and be successful, that's a really dangerous pass rushing lineup. Like, you know, I could, I could see where they are sitting there thinking, I hope we have Vaughn Miller, Draymond Jones, uh, Justin Hollins and Bradley Chubb as their, as that, that rushing group and say, wow, this could be really impressive. And, and it could be, I don't anticipate the Broncos ever playing with a lead, though, and rarely stopping anybody. So that may not be a huge issue. Everybody will just run the ball at them and kill them. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it's in theory could be very interesting. I, I think Justin Hollins has a better chance to be an impact player for the Broncos than, than Draymond Jones does. And then who am I missing? The last guy. Jawan uh, Winfrey. Yeah, I got nothing. I know he's not Chenault, who's really, really good and yes. going to be in the draft next year. Uh, you know, whatever. They get another receiver, which is interesting. Uh, I'll be curious to see how that works out because the one thing the Broncos have, at least in terms of numbers, is they have a million wide receivers. Uh, obviously, Emmanuel Sanders, they've got Cortland Sutton, um, you know, Deshaun Hamilton, and they've got a lot of guys like Tim Patrick was a guy who contributed for them last year. Chad Hansen is interesting, obviously from your uh, Jets initially. Um, they've got a lot of interesting guys. So, you know, I, I, I Juwan Winfrey, you know, seems more likely to be a practice squad guy than a guy who makes the roster. 
But uh, yeah, I mean, I think again, I'm not entirely sure where where I see the Broncos going, but you know, this maybe this comes back in two years and they've just got a couple of really good players out of it. Certainly, you'd still call that a success, but it, overall, you're just sitting there going, where is this headed? Yeah, and you know, obviously, you know, as you had mentioned with uh, you know Elway, look, uh, you know. Ooh, look at the velocity. You know, and that's it. He's just looking at the ball and the way it travels, and <laughs> that's pretty much the end of it with John. And uh, if he's going to be this keen on a quarterback evaluation, he may be his own worst enemy in here. Uh, guys, iTunes, rating reviews. Uh, for any new listeners, it's a great way to for them to find us <clears throat> as we put out the daily content continuously here uh, and just giving you the best that we can. Uh, so go ahead uh, on over to uh, listen on iTunes. Go ahead, five-star rating, drop a written review. Help out your boys here as we continue to bust our butts for you. That will take us to some listener questions. And the first one we have, Pete, and this is from uh, our boy, guys. And if you're not following Giovanni Raviz on Twitter, go ahead, check it out. Things to look for at Rookie Minicamp this weekend. First and foremost, is Greedy Williams going to participate? Um, and again, this was just a rumor, and it's completely uh, horseshit. But the suggestion that part of the reason he fell was some injury that was going to impact him. Uh, he certainly, I, I saw a video of them walking into Lake Berea and stuff. He certainly had a hop in his step and all that stuff. Uh, certainly seemed like he's going to participate, but if he does, that that would be a very very good sign. Hopefully, that means that was all nonsense and there's nothing there, because if he can participate and he can hit the ground running, you know, where he's potentially a competitor for that, what what could be a really hot, hot a really good competition between him and Terrence Mitchell at that ops. I know there are a lot of people who are like, Greedy Williams to take that, but you know, Terrence Terrence Mitchell was probably the last guy. Uh, I thought was going to win that job last year, and he ultimately wriggled it away from everybody. Um, so I'm kind of fascinated to see where that could go. So hopefully he's healthy. Hopefully, um, you know, I'm, I'm very curious to see what uh, Forbes and Finney and Ganafo look like uh, in terms of where they're lining them up and, and what those guys just look like moving around. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I want to see if Sione Takitaki can avoid hitting anyone, um, you know, <laughs> not pads, but him running around could be really impressive. I don't know if people sort of casually watching it will be able to sort of pick up just how athletic he is, but I think that could be good. And obviously there's going to be an unusual amount of focus on, on guys just kicking field goals and warmups and stuff mm-hmm. like that. See what happens with the football. Um, and then, and, and then because by virtue of the, the fact they didn't add a ton of skill guys, uh, they, they do have some undrafted free agents, which are interesting. I'm kind of curious to see if that Austin P guy jumps off the jumps off the screen for anybody uh, and, and really stands out. But Darren Hall is a really good football player, and he's a guy who could you know create some early buzz in terms of how excited. You know, people are, you know, when when reporters and stuff are out there and they sort of notice this guy running around and, and doing stuff, that he could be really impressive. Uh, you could, you know, I think uh, Dontrell Hilliard could be there as well and have a couple of really nice tailbacks out there doing some stuff and, and looking good. And you might, Austin Corbett could can theoretically be there. Uh, they, they could have more guys that are there and sort of looking pretty good in terms of where this roster is. Um, with those young guys, then then maybe people might 
I expect uh, just because you don't know a lot of the names, uh, and obviously not everybody's sitting there with uh, you know the the cable package that allows you to watch every Southeastern Missouri State game. Um, <laughs> so that that'll be interesting, and and I'm hoping you know beyond Greedy Williams, I'm hoping we get an update on Donnie Lewis and where 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 they feel he's at and what that looks like, and you know prognosis on. You know, do they expect him ready for camp? Do they expect him ready for the season? Do they anticipate him being ready for neither? And, the, you know, it sort of was always drafted with with uh, next year in mind or whatever. Stash, a stash guy. But it's, you know, that that's sort of the big thing is, you know, when you draft them, you don't hear about this stuff. When you actually get to minicamp and people are asking questions of them or, you know, the coach or the GM or whoever – you know, they sort of had to address this. If a guy's not out there, they're going to have to give a qu- answer the question. If a guy, uh, you know, gets asked a question and answers it, you may get something out of that. So that'll be interesting. Uh, yeah, for me, yeah, first things first. Obviously, uh, can Greedy Williams do anything? That's going to be something we're going to want to know about. And look, it's not going to change the analysis of the pick. Um, you still got a guy that most people felt was a first-round talent, and you got him at 46. Uh, you have Denzel Ward's future running mate. So, you know, he doesn't, and, and and like Pete said, he doesn't have to hit the ground running. And Pete, I remember, and we were talking about this, and, you know, the plays he was making and creating turnovers, you were getting this at your number two cornerback. And we would, we sat here for the first couple of weeks going, well, this isn't supposed to happen. And then, obviously, the Raider game where he ended up hurting, it was like, well, this is a pretty significant blow. And the two of us were like, well, I can't believe we're saying this, but it's a pretty significant blow because this is what Terrence Mitchell has done at this point. Um, you know, Taki Taki, uh, you know, you want to see, is he going to be the leader of this group, which you expect. I do want to see and hear about where Sheldrick Redwine is lining up and what they're doing with him. Are, are they using him up? Are they using him back? Are they, you know, tr- trying to, you know, basically make sure that they have a multifaceted player in him? Uh, you know, Hall is definitely a name you're definitely going to be interested in. And before we get to the next question, Pete, is Jeff Risden going to be there to help all this media know who all these players are, or is that not going to? Is that possibly not going to happen? I don't know. He may still be putting, uh, getting more paint on his hair at this point. Uh, nice little cord of it, Brown. <laughs> Whatever it was, there's was a lot of it. Um, I, you know, I wasn't sure if there was anything left in the can, but you know. God bless Risden. Uh, well, come on he now. Shows up, his son Peter Weather. He will rest assured have be- a beater on. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, if, if he's there, that'll be a great resource to sort of understand, you know, what what people are actually looking at. Redwine is the one I'm interested in because I have a my guess is that at minicamp he's going to be repping exclusively at free safety. Um, and they're going to get a guy like JT Hassel in a strong safety. And that won't mean much uh, because yeah. I think ultimately that's going to be what Redwine is in terms of when he's in it. strong safety is essentially to be another free safety, uh, maybe more man coverage responsibilities. But that, you know, that, that was my theory on, on how they would sort of address strong safety coverage because Morgan Burnett ain't it. Um, and I think, you know, I listened to John Costco on the pod the other day. I think he's going to play a little bit more maybe than, than Costco does. And now 15 plays is not insignificant, but I just think the Browns are going to end up in putting in teams in obvious passing situations and having leads often enough where you're going to try to close the door. And that was a big issue for the Browns last year. And I, yep. and I, you know, as long as both Cincinnati games, both Cincinnati games, it was an yeah, issue. If, if, 
if Redwine is ready, and that's obviously key in this, and he's not going to you know shit himself out there, then I think he's going to play more than people suspect. And certainly, special teams will be a big part of what he does. But if you know he's he's you know PFF obviously higher on him than I am. But if you're if you're sitting there going, well, he's got all these great coverage grades. He's great covering deep in particular. It would you know I, I think we will find ourselves in situations where. We may be annoyed that he's not on the field more than some of these other guys, unless you know they really like Eric Murray for that role. I, I tend to doubt it, but we'll see. I I, I, I just think that you know th- this has the opportunity, maybe more than people realize, for him to see a lot of playing time early, even though he's a fourth round rookie, and even though the Browns have a lot more established. Uh, I think that is a big part of what they're doing, and that whole. You know, that amoeba, def- amoeba defense where you basically got those three starters and everybody else's uh, rotational or matchup specific or whatever you want to do. And hopefully Greedy Williams can work his way into being that fourth guy where you're basically just going, these are our two dudes. Try and try and do something about it. But, yeah, that becomes really interesting. Uh, yeah, and, and we'll see. And look, this is the and now, guys. This is it. You know, you're, you know, basically the presents are open. The kids go play with the new toys Christmas weekend. Um, but I mean Christmas Day. But you, you know, Greedy is going to be the probably the biggest storyline here because if he's unable to do things, it's going to be a question that's going to have to be answered. And maybe this will help us explain exactly you know what happened with Greedy as far as the draft process and all of that. So it'll be interesting. It's it's going to be something as far as that goes. Um, now our next question here, and guys, he, he brought a bunch of good ones here. And guys, like I said, Giovanni Ruiz, he's been fantastic with the support of the show, but he's a fun guy to talk to. Uh, definitely knows what's going on. Definitely knows the his producer stuff. producer credit. Huh? Okay, we'll hook him up. We'll hook him up. Um, virtual signator. Signator. Um, does Wilkes need to adjust his scheme to take advantage of the fact that he has two stud press man corners, Pete? Um... I mean, I guess the answer to that is yes, but Patrick Peterson played in that cover three scheme, did a lot of that tr- traditional cover three stuff, and was great. So, yes, you want them to do more of that. Um, you know, obviously, you want to play to your guys' skill sets and adapt. And I think Steve Wilkes, to this point in his career as a defensive coach, whether you know his head coaching stint in Arizona as a defensive coordinator, he has done that. He's actually been very good at sort of playing to the talent. I think now with his sort of ability to guide where this thing's going, you know, they, they've made a very strong signal that they want to play, you know, at least five DBs on the field and, and it, uh, as much as possible. But I would assume so, especially with a guy like Greedy. You know, I don't think that's Denzel Ward's game. I think, he, you know, you can play him tight and have him run, but I don't think you're wanting Denzel Ward to press. Um, so, and, and it may be that, you know, he the same thing is the, the case with Greedy Williams is that he may just be situations where he's tight coverage and you're just, you know, you're not actually asking to press or you're basically saying do what's more comfortable to you. We'll figure out, you know, we'll sort of play it by ear, figure see what you can do and basically give you the freedom to do that. If you get into situations where it's like, you know, you get that nickel unit out. Miles Garrett slides inside to the three. You've got Sheldon Richardson in there with him. You've got Olivier Vernon and Jannard Avery on the outside or something like that. And you're saying, look, we really trust our pass rush. So we're going to play tight man and say, do something, beat us, make us, you know, make us punish. That you 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 could see definitely see a situation. When you've got that pass rush, you can sort of 
up that clock and force them to make uh, make quicker decisions, which could lead to turnovers. They've got two guys out there. Uh, Capable of it. More than, more than shown the ability to do it. Obviously, Terrence Mitchell flashed that last year. Jamarius Randall can do those type of things. Hopefully, Redwine can add into that. Joe Schobert can do all that. So I, I, I think – the best thing that Steve Wilkes can do is mix it up as much as possible. Certainly, you don't want to do so much that you, um, you know, leave your guys confused. But you, between the amount of guys you have that you can move around, and between the amount of things that you you think they can do well, you just have so many things you can throw at defenses to try to throw them off while you're still very comfortable and confident in what you're doing. Well, and the thing here, and we had talked about this when Wilkes took the job as a defensive coordinator. He can't stand by his you know what he's done for all this time. Mix it up a little bit here, and he's got, he's got a great asset here in this defense. He's got a very good defensive line. He has the makings of what could be a very, very good secondary. He's got Joe Schobert. You can fi- figure out the rest of the linebacker position. But the best way for him to get back to being a head coach is what, obviously, Steve Wilkes and any assistant coach in the NFL wants to do is get back to a head coaching gig. Reinvent yourself here. Do some things some different. And he's got these liberties now. And, look, I mean, people keep telling you and telling you it's not even going to be the point now maybe where the Browns are going to have to trade for Gerald McCoy. He's basically going to push his way out of Tampa because he seems like he wants to go to Cleveland. And that will just be another asset. But just use all of it. He, he, where has he said he wants to go to Cleveland? I, I just want to see that. That 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 would fascinate the shit out of me. That anyone didn't go get me out of get me out of Florida. I want to go to Cleveland. Well, he's tight with Baker, but no, at this point, Pete, he's ring chasing. This is what it is. You're ring chasing. Your opportunity Could be. chasing. Could be. I mean, it would you know equally fascinating would be you know certainly I would love to see him on the bronze. I think he'd be a great third defensive tackle because. You know, the Browns decided to skip the whole draft process. With well, that. that would be what, because we're going to start doing these segments, and it'll be questions for the head coach and questions for the defense, uh, and obviously for John Dorsey. And this, Pete, would be the first one. What, why? No urgency to bring in anything other than starting defensive tackles. Why yeah, not so, depth? Why not depth? Yeah, I mean, the, the question is, what makes you so confident in the guys you have in the in-house that you were unable to, you know, that you didn't feel the need to draft, you know, more defensive tackles. Two years or, in a row. Right. So Two years in a row. Yeah. I mean, look, don't Gerald McCoy is a dream. The other team that I think could be in that mix is New England. That is the ultimate. It's, it's, it's exactly the veteran who needs exactly if you're going to go if you're going to go ring chasing you're going to do it i mean the first spot you're going to think to do it is new england but he is he is kind of tight with baker though yes i mean they they certainly seem at least chummy on that on campus thing i think they still stay stay in touch so that would certainly help uh but yeah he's a fantastic football player i'd love to have him and get into that situation where gerald mccoy and miles garrett playing next to each other in in rush packages uh where you're just you're just sitting, sitting there going, what are you going to do about it? Go ahead, Ben. Go ahead, Ben, with your non-mobile ass. Eat on this. So that's, uh, you know, it's a fun thought, but it, that's. I'm honestly to the point now where I just believe, I don't know how it's going to work out, but I do believe when it's all said and done this team goes to camp, Gerald McCoy will be part of that package. Wow, going bold. Yes, I am going bold. Um, the last question we have here, and this is again from virtual signature. Let's go. Uh, at Cleveland Enthusiast would be the Twitter handle. And this one I like too. 
All right, uh, okay, one more. Fast forward one year. The Browns made it to the AFC Championship game in the 2019 season. Who were their three best players, Pete, in order? Baker Mayfield, Miles Garrett, and Odell Beckham. I mean, in that order. That's. I mean, that's that's how you get there. You have three... You know, superstar talent that play at a superstar level. Uh, you know, Miles Garrett takes that big step. He has a twenty sack season in him. Is it this year? Uh, Are they going to you know, let him use every pass rush move? I, uh, look, that was even, that was interesting. <laughs> oh, um, Baker Mayfield obviously would would be taking a huge step forward. Uh, you know, he he was great last year as a rookie. You're, but you know, you've got Odell Beckham. You've got more toys to play with. You've got a, a the coaching thing, staff. The thing I think will... about with Baker and Odell, and and I'll agree with you on the three, and I'll mention a name or two. But I think of and and this is what I saw the last couple of years because guys, look, I, obviously you know I I get all this here locally in Jersey. Is how many times Odell Beckham was open, the ball didn't come his way, and he seemed turned around like we. And it's not that it's I didn't get the ball. It's we didn't get six. like, And that's the thing. If Odell Beckham is open and there's nobody with him three yards behind him, three yards in front of him to make a play, there's a good chance either A, that's a 35-yard play, or there's a good chance he's taken to the house. That ain't going to happen this year because if he's open, Baker ain't no dummy. I mean, you know, like I was, you know he's no dummy. Like he realizes if, 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 if it's there, it's going to go to Odell. And it's going to be a big, big, big freaking play. Right. You think about what Odell Beckham can do, and you think about what Antonio Callaway can do if he can continue to stay uh, out of trouble and keep growing from where he was last year. And those is your starting receivers uh, and, and their ability after the catch. Uh, is just phenomenal. But if you're, you know, those are the obvious three. If you want some honorable mention guys, uh, Joe Schubert's my my next dude. I think with everything in place in Cleveland, he could have an absolute monster year. And then the last guy I'll mention is Olivier Vernon. Um, you know, I've said it. I will continue to say it. He is better than Frank Clark, and they got him for way less. And I think Browns fans are underrating him. Uh, I, I, I don't re- think people realize just how good he was with the New York Giants. And... You know whether they ultimately you know mess around with flipping the ends or whatever, or they're just gonna say, Vernon, you're you're gonna stay as our left end, and you've got to deal with Matt Filer, Zeus Jr., and you know maybe Bobby Hart uh, <laughs> for for you know six games this season. Uh, you know I I just think he will absolutely feast, and obviously the health's gonna be a part of that, but. You know, he he has he doesn't have this big track record of missing time. It's just uh, the last two years. Uh, but yeah, those guys could absolutely be monsters for this year. And and obviously, the Browns are going to be in a position where a lot of guys, you know, could p- potentially be all pro types um, this year. Uh, obviously, you know, Pete rattled off a bunch of names. Some some others I'll mention here. Well, I'll go with Larry Ogunjobi because it with the 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 quality of the defensive line all around. And we saw what Larry did early last year before he inexplicably got taxed, before he inexplicably got hurt and was still a force week in, week out. Now where it's, you know, you want to double-team somebody, that's fine. But good luck with the the other three-on-threes because you're going to lose at least one of them, at least one of them, if not two, if not three. So, you know, I'll put Larry in there. 
and Nick Chubb may have like a cruise control season. <laughs> I, I, Pete, I mean, it's it, it, he's not going to see any. There's going to be so many carries where he's going to be five yards down the field before where it's even a a question of. Oh, this guy may be able to create contact. Nick is going to be able to, he's going to be a Hoover this year. He's just going to vacuum up yardage. The carries could be 15 to 20, but they're going to be even better than last year. And that's crazy to believe, but it's just going to be, his life is going to be so easy this year. The only thing that could hurt him in terms of if you're looking at the whole season is after eight games, do they, you know, split t- split carries, split time, whatever, and not necessarily because they think Kareem Hunt is better because he's not, but more of a case of, okay, we've got to, you know, we want to motor this down a little bit because we, we do have playoff aspirations and we feel comfortable that we're going to get there and we want to keep both these guys fresh, both these guys running well, uh, so that when they do get to a situation, you know, we're talking about if they make the AAC championship, um, you know, I, I hope that's not riding Nick Chubb into the ground. I hope that's, you know, you know, at least being reasonable, uh, you know, if you if, if Kareem Hunt can keep his shit together and avoid, uh, you know, get, getting himself in trouble, that you do have that extra viable option. So, if Nick Chubb is gassed and he's like, you know, even at 80% on a given series, you're going to put in 100% of Kareem Hunt just because that makes sense. I mean, that's just logical. Well, exactly. I mean, just get these guys in there and have them ready. And look, there could be time. Look, Nick, you know, Nick, it's not just, you know, grab the Gatorade bottle, get a quick squirt. Go sit down. You can sit for a minute and a half. We'll get four or five plays, one in, one out, and you're literally, I mean, you're just, you know, you know, to use the baseball phrase, it's your number three hitter or your number four hitter. Who cares? I mean, you're, you're just still consistently putting out top-level guys that can get shit done. You can do it at the tight end position. You can do it at the wide receiver position. Eh, guys, it's going to be fun. It's and it's It kind of stinks that it's only May 2nd, and it's a long time away, but at least we can start to get some juices flowing here with rookie camp this, uh, this weekend. Guys, we got to, uh, obviously, the last two opponents on the schedule this year. We got to Denver and Tennessee's draft classes. Um, again, these are, guys, these are on paper. These are wins now. Obviously, things could change you know, as we get closer and closer to it. Uh, we got into uh, you know, a bunch of listener questions about things we're looking forward to towards camp. Uh, you know, there's some other ones here as far as, you know, the, the 19 season playing out. We got into, you know, some rookies signing uh, signing contracts. Redwine, Forbes, Lewis, all pen to paper. Congratulations to those guys. Uh, you know, jersey numbers, guys, don't buy anything yet, obviously, with any of those. Don't be that sucker who's got the wrong jersey. So take your time. Be patient with that. This I'll is tell been, you what. Go ahead. The Pete. freaking shipping is c- catching up uh, for demand. Odell Be- Beckham jerseys are popping up everywhere. Oh well, yeah, it, it, the shipping. It, well, they, the worst part is the shipping on anything right now is insane. It, it's it, it's it's literally out of hand. It's crazy. It's crazy. Um. So I mean, you know, and the worst part is boxes keep showing up here. And actually, here here's a funny story. Now, this is, you know, we all talk about, you know, parenting in this day and age as opposed to when we all grew up. You know, whatever, you were a kid, you got on your bike, you went all over town, your mom didn't know where the hell you were. My my oldest today, I pick her up from middle school, drop her off at the house, I head back to the office. Now, keep in mind, we have two pit bulls in this house, about 115 pounds. And trust me, they would not let anything happen to my daughters. But this is what happens when the way kids are sheltered in 2019. My daughter calls me, I'm literally almost, I'm 10 minutes away, closer to the office than I am home. 
there's a woman getting out of a white truck walking towards the front doorstep. I'm like, okay, okay, what's going on? I was like, well, the doors are locked, everything's okay. The dogs are freaking out. She's got a box in her hands. Okay, uh-huh, uh-huh. She's like, well, she's walking to the front doorstep. She put the box down. The dogs are screwed. The dogs are out of control. She got back in her white truck. It's got a red and blue stripe, and it pulled out of the driveway. I'm like, Avery, it's the freaking damn mailman. I mean, like, this is what happens with the way kids are raised now. I mean, they're so much smarter, but they experience so much less of life. Yes, it was the mailman. Yes, that was the major catastrophe, where she was all bent out of shape and nervous. Uh, so, it's what it is. But guys, bend your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. Uh, Pete's work over at NFL Spin Zone. Uh, keep reading. Keep Pete's busting his butt. Um, follow him at underscore Pete Smith underscore the Locked On Browns Twitter account. As you guys all know, it's a follow back account. You need something, you have a question, have a request, go ahead and DM us over there at Locked On Browns. We'll take care of it or do our best to accommodate you at least in that point. Uh, me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Um, guys, it's fun. Look, we're actually going to get to talk some football things here over the next couple of days, which is it's good. It's, I'm excited for this. Um, you got Baker driving around Cleveland in a superhero car with Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, look, as much as, you know, obviously the hype is here, whether it's celebrities, media, let's just everybody be patient and we'll get to playing ball and let's see how it all turns out. But there's no denying it. You've all been waiting for this for a long, long time. It's here. Your Cleveland Browns are on the map and they're on the map in a big, big, time way. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.